Hello everyone and welcome back to Three Guys Talk Football. We're going to be talking about our favourite footballing memories, both with our own clubs and in a more general sense. Uh, I'm George and I'm joined by Chris. Hello there. And Nathan. Hello. Now, I'm a Chelsea fan. Chris is an Aston Villa fan. And Nathan, for his crimes, is a Liverpool fan. <laughs> and and we'll start off with you, Nathan. What is What would you say is your favourite... Liverpool football club memory. So it feels a bit of a cop out because this one was so recent. But um, like the, the easy answer always seems to be like Istanbul, obviously coming back and beating Milan on penalties. But mine is not just the Trent corner, but the entire game against Barcelona. That was one of the single craziest games of football I've ever seen. There's no way you yeah, want that. Oh no, no right. Like Messi was on like well in in the first leg at least. Messi was like peak of his powers, absolutely. Tore his limb from limb. Like, but like the main reason it's my probably favorite football memory is because of like the, the situation of how I ended up watching it. Because I because we were uh, three 0 down, I I literally wasn't even going to watch it. I like I was going to stay at home. But I got dragged out by my friends to go and watch it at the pub. And literally, with it, as soon as that first goal went in, there was just something in the air that you knew that something like was about to happen. I mean, the Trent corner though, man. Come on, that was oh that yeah, was that... just a thing of footballing legend from now on. Yeah, for for a kid who's like what nineteen, twenty years old, like to even to even spot that, like I didn't even like I didn't even see it go in. I like I was looking away because the ball had gone out. Now I look back up; it's in the back of the net, and everything's going mental. I've never been so happy to spill a pint in my entire life. <laughs> There's something no, magical about watching football games in pubs. There is, there is. Just that entire game, I like watching because I don't go like obviously we were having a ridiculous season, but watching us play Barcelona off the park, especially like that Barcelona side as well, to play arguably like pound for pound, probably the best team in the world and absolutely play them off the park from the first minute. Like, I don't think I've ever been prouder to be a Liverpool fan than I was that night. They say it's the fact that it's against Barcelona as well. I mean, coming back from 4-0 down or 3-0 down against anyone would be a massive feat. But yeah. a team with Lionel Messi, that's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and the thing is, they like obviously they weren't... That night they weren't they weren't firing at all, but they still created quite a few chances. So there's so many like nervy moments, and like Allison came through time and time again. Trent, I've literally never seen a performance like that from a fullback, not 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 in the flesh anyway. And it's just that it's just those Anfield, Anfield nights in Europe. There's just something different about them. Like that that atmosphere just seems to add like a twelfth man to us. Once we did that to Barcelona, I was like, I don't care who we play in the final. Like like we are going to win this now. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and then you got Spurs, and you were like, we're definitely going to win this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, how about you with your Aston Villa team? What is your favourite Aston Villa memory? I mean, it, it's obvious, really, isn't it? Bearing in mind how long I've been a Villa fan and the fact that I've only ever seen really Villa in decline, apart from under, like, a couple of O'Neill years. But after that, it was just like downhill, 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 downhill. And it's it was, it was a sad time. 2015 was a sad time. I don't like to talk about it. But... The best, the best moment really has to be winning the championship playoff final, which was just it was it was stupidly like tense as well because everybody thought we were going to play Leeds and then we played Derby, so all the preparation that everybody thought we would be doing was out the window, and that Derby team were ridiculous under Frank Lampard. They, they going forward, they were mental, and yet we just dealt with them. They, they were just quiet all day. I don't think I saw Harry Wilson touch the ball, and the fact that. It wasn't even our like best scorers who scored it. Like El Ghazi 
earned his signing to Villa based on that performance because he decided to actually turn up for a change. And John McGinn was just an absolute machine, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, John, John McGinn was brilliant that day. John McGinn, man. Like, I know everybody goes on about Jack Grealish, and I do get why, because he's been our best player this season. Stand out. Easy. But John McGinn, he's just, he's something special. And watching him put that second one in, as soon as he put that second one in, I was like, we won this. And then we did the classic Villa thing of letting a goal in in the 80th minute, like we always do. And it didn't matter because I was like, we won it. Bungie was so nervy because I was watching it. Me and my dad watched it. We didn't get to the pub. We watched it at my house. And it was so nervy. I can't explain the nerves to you boys. 81st minute, they score. And we we have 10 minutes plus, I think, three, three more minutes of extra time, something like that. And it just kept coming up our end. I was like, for God's sake, please. But the stakes of it as well, because we'd been in the championship for what three years by that point, and it was it was like it was almost felt like that now or never kind of thing. Like if we cock it up again, we're going to be stuck without Tammy again because he's not going to come back on loan. We got like a bunch of loan players there that we were like, if we stay in the championship, Mings wouldn't have come back if we'd stayed in the championship. It was just everything hinged on that game, one game, and it was mental to watch. It was I, I've not had an experience like it sporting Villa, really haven't. It was it was insane. So yeah, my, my ch- favourite Chelsea memory has got to be the 2012 Champions League final. Like, there's there's just no other way. We were in it in 2008 and we lost that final in the most heartbreaking of circumstances. I mean, watching your, watching your club captain <laughs> slip over and hit the post on the game-winning penalty, I don't think you can get much more disastrous than that. But yeah, I mean, we, this was... The competition that Abramovich wanted to win since he came in, and we'd gone eight years, ten years trying to chase it, and it just looked like we were never going to get the chance because, I mean, Drogba at this point was in his thirties, well into his thirties. Lampard was getting on. Terry was reaching thirty, and this was kind of the the end of our kind of golden generation. And we come in to this Champions League run. We've already somehow come up come up against Napoli, come from three one down. Roberto Di Matteo comes in and, and we win that game. Beat Benfica. Okay, fair enough. Ra- Raul Morales scored. That's nice. And then mm-hmm. we get on to Barcelona. I mean, either of those games could have been one of my favourite memories ever because it was just proper backs-to-the-wall football. You know, we weren't playing Pep Guardiola-style football, but we didn't need to because we had passion. We had these incredible players but the the work rate that we had was immense, and every time it looked like we were just we were dead, and then we'd come back, and then we get to the final, and the final is in Munich. It's in Bayern Munich's own stadium, and we're holding them off for eighty minutes, and the goal goes in, and you just think that is absolutely gutting because we've battled so hard, and then we get a corner. It might even be the only corner we have. Whip in Didier Drogba. Who else? Out of nowhere, smashes it into that corner. The, as soon as he got cannot, flat cross, you knew it was going in. As genuinely, as flat, you knew it. You just knew. You knew that we were back in it. And then, and then we go to extra time, and he goes and gives away a penalty to Iron Robin. And you're just thinking we're gonna come so close, and it's just not gonna happen. And Czech pulls off a save. And then we go to penalties, and Mata misses his penalty. And then we somehow manage to get to that final penalty, and Didier Drogba steps up. Four years ago, it was John Terry, club legend, but he's not Didier Drogba. He's not the coolest footballer of all time. <laughs> Didier Drogba steps up, and you just know he's up against the best goalkeeper in the world at the time. 
is the most pressure any footballer's ever going to experience, apart from maybe a you know similar scenario in the World Cup final. And he just steps up one step and just passes into the bottom corner. I mean, the whole story of that Champions League campaign is just ridiculous. And for me, that's why it's one of the most special Champions League campaigns from any club. Obviously, as a Chelsea fan, it's a little bit more special. But I think the underdog story with that is insane. And we actually got nominated for like BBC Sports Team of the Year at the uh, Personality Awards. And I think, you know, you can understand why, because that was all about determination, not giving up and just defying the odds again and again. And I don't think anything in football is ever going to beat that experience for me again. Yeah, one of my favorite things about football is, like I say, like the underdog story, like like with the Liverpool Barca game, like going into it, like absolutely no one thinks you have a chance, like because because your team was nowhere near the best team in that competition that year, like not even close. No, I mean and, we we looked a worse team than Napoli when Villas Boas was in charge. Yeah, you really did. You really did. Uh, and I say it's like you just the final special just being put through the ringer time and time again, going a goal down, equalizing, giving away a penalty, getting through it. You go through all that, then Dropper steps up, and I don't know how you felt, but uh, same as with the corner. As, as soon as he stepped up, I was like, they've done it. Like, there's no doubt. Like, there's no way on God's earth that he's missing that. Yeah, and he's walking up, and Gary Neville's there saying it's written in the stars. Yeah. I mean, that that is just chills. That is, that's yeah. the power of football right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, you know, Aston Villa get promoted was nice as well. Mate, yeah. <laughs> right. The entire future of our club was resting on that. No Grealish, no McGinn, no Mings, mate. I just no. You're, you're absolutely right. And and winning the playoff is insanely hard, as Derby have proven time and time again. And I'd I'd like to, I'd like to say I'd like to say we went on a 10, 10 game winning run, thirty out of thirty. It was oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, was that the same season that Steve Bruce moved on? It's the same season he got a th- cabbage thrown at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean that does add an extra level of just right, insanity. Same, same season that Grealish was in- injured for two months. Same season that Tammy nearly went to Wolves, and the only reason he didn't was because Grealish convinced him not to on the injury table. Same season that we like had one centre half for two months, and James James Chester broke his entire body. We had to draft in an entire new defence in January just to stand a chance of not getting relegated. We were 12th in February, which, by the way, is when I put a £5 bet on for a laugh because it was free and I got 165 quid that we got promoted. E, And it was just, we should not have got promoted. There was no way because 12th in February, 12th in the championship, 20 points off the playoffs and we got there. It was mental. It was absolutely insanity. We just kept winning game after game after game after game. Even when like Greenish got punched in the back of the head and we still managed to win at Blues. It was brilliant. Oh, just what a season. What And the kit was beautiful as well. Just saying. Oh, just to top it off, what <laughs> the kit as well. They went up in style both on the pitch yeah. <laughs> and in the wardrobe. The cool thing about this is all of ours are the underdog story. And that's something you can... You get in sport time and time again, but it's always so impressive. Like Leicester winning the league, there's just something even yeah. more special about someone who you wouldn't even think has a chance somehow pulling it off. Yeah, I think like the, I think was they become the neutral choice, don't they? Like all of a sudden, people that like like I'm gonna have to keep going back to the Liverpool Barcelona one, but 
like I, I was in the pub with two uh, with two Man United fans, who obviously they would they find it hilarious that we're three 0 down in the first place, but then once that third goal went in, they were like, "Mate, I hope you do it. Like I hope you do it just for like the occasion." Mate, I, I know it was the same. I mean, Spurs' comeback was insane as well. The last minute, yeah, it was. It was turnaround, but they were against Ajax, and they weren't as as many goals down. Yours was just. I mean, it was one of those where I was like, they don't even need to bother traveling like to this game to yeah. Anfield. It, it, it was done and dusted, weren't it? Yeah, and then you pulled it off somehow. It's insane. Yeah, it was. It was the whole mentality as well, because obviously, Spurs were kind of like they were down in that game, whereas for us, we had like the whole week of like like a build up to it. So I feel, I feel like to try and like g yourself up a week later to go out against the best team in the world and do that is just. I've never seen anything like it, not not from Liverpool anyway. And we're, and we're known for our comebacks as well. So. so, in terms of general football memories that that aren't necessarily our club, what is your favourite, Nathan? Um, what would you pick as a kind of highlight? So it's really difficult because, like, there's so many, obviously there's the Aguero moment, um, which I think everyone like is the first thing that springs to mind for a lot of people. But mine's really, really low key. Um, because I, I grew up in Chesterfield and I'm still I'm still kind of Chesterfield fan. I don't go as much as I should. In uh, in 2006, we had like a little cup run in the uh, the Carling Cup, as it was back then. If I remember rightly, in the, in the first round, we turned over Wolves on penalties. And then we drew Man City in the second round. And obviously this was the, the Man City of old, like before the money. So um, we actually got their, their line-up here. They had Nicky Weaver... It was like really early Micah Richards, Richard Dunn, Distan, Paul Dickov, Barton. Like we were low end of League One, I think, at the time. Maybe just even slipped into League Two. I think we were League One. If I remember rightly, yeah, we went 1-0 down to, to Samaras in the first half. And then um, we, we, we equalised pretty early in the second. I think it was Fulham that scored. It was like the one season that Caleb Fulham had for us. Then like, in like this... I want to say like just before the seventieth minute, maybe maybe just in the seventieth minute, Derek Niven, the most bang average player you've ever seen, grace the centre of midfield, scored a volley to send us through, and honestly, it was absolute bedlam. So that's that was it for me because I think I'd, I'd have been like nine at the time. So it's like it's like one of my earliest footballing memories. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. And I, I, think... I know you, I know you can't really chime in a lot because it's about Chesterfield and there. I can't ask your opinion on what you thought Phil Picking was like as a player, but. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he was an, a, an, a, a great player. He, he, he did play football, for sure. <laughs> he did a football. He did a football. How about you, Chris? What is your favourite general footballing memory? Uh, I, I, have, I have a couple, obviously, because everybody does. I'm going to save my Premier League one for another episode. And I'm going to instead go with England versus Colombia penalties. Nice. Because it was an absolute mental game to watch. Similar in scale to mine then, for sure. Yeah, obviously. But, it I mean, if, if, you, if you factor it in, right, so you've got England haven't won a penalty shootout in 30 years. Last time they won one was 1996. Yeah, it was it was the it was Euro '96 when it we where we beat um, Stuart Pearce managed to convert a penalty even though he missed the one in Italia '90 and everybody was like losing their mind. Um, it was the one before Gaz like 
we had, we got through on penalty. Anyway, point is, we haven't won a penalty shootout for thirty years. We haven't won one like traditionally for stupid reasons as well. It was always somebody missed it. It was never like it was always like Gaz skied it or somebody randomly just did rubbish things. And so when we got to penalties, you just had that like dread as a nation of here we go again. We're not going to get through. And you, you could just feel the entire like country just thinking, oh. And obviously, we didn't know at the time how much Southgate had been drilling them for penalties because he would he would do wouldn't it? Because he's Southgate and he knows what it's like to miss a penalty and kick England out of a world like a competition. And it was it was that element to it as well. Watching Southgate finally get some like recompense for messing up in '96. It was just, it was a beautiful story. But when Henderson missed it, I could have cried. I knew he was going to as well. I watched him walk up. I was like, no, he's missed that. I, Mate, said I, I, I could see that from a mile off. <laughs> I said to my dad, I just turned to him and went, no, he's missing it. And, he missed, and when he missed it, I was just like, that's it, we're done. And Pickford just pulled off that absolute perler of a save. And then, or of all people, Eric Dyer. Of all people, you wouldn't think Eric Dyer would be the man we'd be relying upon, would you? But no, apparently, for some my, reason, he was an absolute unit. My, my exact words, when Eric Dyer stepped up, my exact, I turned to me and I said, what the fuck is he doing on this penalty? <laughs> yeah. Those were my exact words. And like, bear in mind, I said something pretty similar in the Euros when he banged in that free kick. <laughs> yeah, Eric Dyer, the uh, underrated hero. But no, I, I completely agree when he, when he stepped up. I said, what of, of all the people... Yeah, you know what I mean? It was just, it was that sense of why? Why? Because he'd never taken one for Spurs. So we didn't know how good he was at taking penalties, if he even knew what a penalty was. And it was just, we were just confused as a nation, I think, where we saw Eric Dyer's little shaved head. And I don't, I don't know, it was just magical. It was, it, I felt sick the entire time. I was, because I, I was watching it with one of my best mates and my dad. And, because he doesn't, he doesn't even like football more than my best mates does. But he came around just because it was England, and we were all watching. And it got to penalties, and we were just like, "Please!" Because we've been the better team throughout that game, easily should have oh, yeah, won sure. it. And then out of nowhere, they equalise and send us to extra time. And it, it, after that, we just weren't getting the rhythm back. And I was just like, "Here we go again, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory as usual." Right, nice yeah, one, lads. It, see, yeah, see it, it you felt great in the stars. If, yeah, like, and it, it, it felt really. It just felt so rigged. It was like, as soon as they scored, it was like, we're going to bottle it again. Yeah, it's just like, well, this is what England do. You just, you kind of like resign yourself. We managed to somehow get through extra time, and it's just like, oh, what's the point? We're just going to go out anyway. And then to go through, it was beautiful. It genuinely was. We should have won the Croatia game if Harry Kane had squared it. Um, but there you are. Triggered. Oh, I'm so upset. I'm still upset about that. I mean, we would have got spanked by France regardless, but it would have been nice to get to a final. Yeah, it'd be nice to be there. Plus, like, I think the uh, that penalty shootout win as well, that gave us the belief because obviously the, the whole it's coming home thing, that had already started like, yeah, but a couple games before. But as soon right. as we did that, all, all of a sudden it was like, mate, if we're winning penalty shootouts, we might actually, like, there might be something on our side here. Yeah, we could actually win something for the first time in, like, forever. Yeah, like, this might actually be happening. Oh, I just... I hope I hope the World Cup delivers those like tense of mo- a moment again because it was wonderful to watch. Having like watched the Svengar and Eriksson years where we just didn't do anything and watched us get beaten by Iceland. Oh, that yeah, that was a low point. That was a low that, point. that was that was a tough time. That was I did that was not a good time to be an England fan, mind you. Not. 
I think my other, I know I'm, I'm having two and I'm sorry, but I just want to wow. mention it quickly. I'm sorry. My other England moment, 92nd minute or something stupid, last kick of the game, Greece, David Beckham, bangs in a free kick. Oh, it's oh yeah, that yeah, that was big. That was big. Like I think that's a that's a weird one because I think we're all a bit too young to maybe appreciate that fully. But like I, I seeing that. it now. So I, I don't remember it, but seeing the video it looks insane. But it was it was one of my first ever footballing memories and I was I think I was like eight at the time or something stupid. And it was just it was just mental because nobody else in that team turned up and then Beckham just took it upon himself and was like, Right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sort you lot out. This is nonsense. We need to get through. We can't not qualify. It was so far out as well. Like he was, he was pretty much in the car. So park. he had far. no right. It was just, Beckham was something special, wasn't it? It's a shame we. Yeah, David Beckham was just amazing. It's a shame we could say that about that whole team: Ferdinand, Terry, Lampard, Young oh, Rooney. Yeah. With that team, we should have easily like won everything, and then for whatever reason, they just decided to play four four two, and it's like, but why? Poor managers. They had yeah. Sven Goran Eriksson and Fabio Capello during the golden era. I mean, if you had that. if you had Alf Ramsey when he was the '96 coach, and with that team, it would have been bananas. Watch your language, yeah. <laughs> who was the who was the Euro '96 coach? Who wasn't Alf Ramsey? Who was the '96 coach? Oh, it was Terry Venables, wasn't it? Yeah, Alf Ramsey was the one who won the '66 cup. But obviously, if we'd had him as well, it would have been insane but if we'd had Venables I'd, I would have I mean I'd have Venables back now I know I love, everybody loves Southgate but I'd have Venables back, back now First one like even remotely like competent would have probably won something like he didn't even yeah. have to be a great manager just somebody who wasn't terrible yeah but yeah we had Sven Steve McLaren and Fabio Capello oh, oh thank lord God. Wally with the brolly yeah <sighs> Anyway, I think one of my favourite <laughs> footballing memories is I was there at Wembley for Wayne Rooney's 100th England Cup. Now, Wayne Rooney, divisive figure, but what he did for England was was pretty impressive. It was. He never he never fully performed in tournaments, which I think he'll always regret. But becoming England's highest ever goal scorer, you don't do that through pure luck. And after he, he was kind of the youngest of that golden generation. And he was the only one really that carried on. He had to basically carry England for a while while they brought through these younger players. Mm. And to see him get that honour of 100 caps with my own two eyes and then see him banging a penalty was, was pretty magic. Um, there's something about Wembley that's just incredible. It's, it's such a, an amazing stadium. It's massive. And, okay, they give too much of the stadium to corporate to the corporate lot <laughs> so you have a massive gap in the middle of the stadium but when when the England fans get singing it is an amazing place and um yeah I, I like Wayne Rooney as a player I think he was an insane player one of the best strikers of the Premier League era for sure and I mean the guy was even played out on the wing at some points for England and he still managed to do a, a decent job how that ever happened, I don't know. And uh, yeah, to see him reach this milestone was was pretty special, and you know, obviously something that not many people can say. So that that was that was a pretty great memory. There we go. <laughs> now, I've um, you wanted silence. Yeah. Now on the real thing, like, obviously, I've never been his like I've been really critical of him. Um, 
Well, I mean, he was Everton, then United, so he's not going to be yeah. Okay, cool. Like, but I've always respected his ability, and, and the, main, <laughs> the, the main thing I've always appreciated about him is that even when even when he couldn't cut it like up front as much anymore, he still managed to move back into midfield and plays more of like a player maker. So that just shows like he had like such an understanding of the game from like every position. So like you can't take that away from him. His his natural ability was insane. You, yeah, there's no there's no denying it. It's just I don't know. I think it was the off the pitch stuff that. Put me off Rooney, to be honest, more than the the because on the pitch you can't you can't really criticise him, to be honest. He never went. The only thing, like as well with that England performance, he just he had that one good Euros and then just didn't show up after Ronaldo upset him. Like I don't think he ever properly recovered in an England shirt after that. Yeah, he always like don't worry about obviously becoming England's highest scorer. It's like it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I just, I, I, like I said, I just wish it was more for the tournament stuff. Like penalties yeah. against San Marino are fine, but in in tournaments he did go missing. But that's like the one thing that I don't that like I, I would I would pick fault with him with. Well, there you go. That is another episode of the Three Guys Talk Football podcast. Quite a nice nostalgic one. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with film podcast next week. Hopefully with a special guest, TBC, as they say in the business. The Thank business. you for joining me, Nathan and Chris. That's all right. Pleasure as we always. We do this every week. <laughs> we will, until the lockdown is lifted and then we get too busy and then we can't. But anyway. Yes. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.